Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loams. At the eighth mile, she's leading Mo Bunder at the finish line stripe. It's Cameron Caruso for the first time, 6.592. On this episode is newly minted Nitro Crew Chief Johnny Lindbergh and top fuel pilot Leah Pruitt. And there goes Gage Herrera. Vinny, Vini, Vici. He came, he saw, he conquered. Leah's going to run the all-star call-out in Gainesville, and Johnny's tuning up Paul Lee's car. Chad Green's out first by a bunch. They get to the finish line, stripe, and it's Chad Green. 391-6 on a whole shot, a 33 line. This is the NHRA Insider. Into the night they go, and the wind light comes off for Doug Collada. 367-3, 334 miles an hour. Hey everybody, it's Brian Loans. Welcome back to another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We've got a great show for you this week. It is Johnny Lindbergh, it is Leah Pruitt, and they both have some very interesting stuff to talk about. Of course, Johnny Lindbergh has uh, now begun working with John Medlin, uh, the two of them co-crew chiefing on Paul Lee's car. It has uh, it has looked really good so far. Uh, they were in Bradenton, Florida last weekend. They laid down a string of uh, runs in the 380s, made some good runs in the heat as well. And so that car is looking great, and this partnership of one of the great young minds in the sport and certainly one of the most experienced, uh, grizzled minds in the sport, if you will, with John Medlin, appears to be playing dividends or paying dividends right off the bat. And, you know, for me, when we talk to Johnny, it's going to be a lot about understanding the dynamic between the two guys, understanding the approach, and I'm really interested in, you know, the things that may or may not intimidate a guy like Johnny Lindbergh, multi-time world champion in alcohol funny car, uh, a guy who has his own chassis fabrication business, kind of what's going to go on with that, um, all of that and more when we get to talk to Johnny. And, of course, for Leah Pruitt, the news uh, coming out that she is going to compete in the Pep Boys All-Star Callout in Gainesville, Florida. And, um, you know, this is a great story. Obviously, that car um, ran incredibly well last year, you know, went down to the wire, uh, winner-take-all final in Pomona for a championship Ends up third in the points, just behind Steve Torrance. Um, and we know she's made her announcement. We did that in the offseason of PRI, talking about how she is getting out of the seat with a concentration on uh, getting a family started. And I think, um, you know, what's going to be interesting to catch up with uh, with Leah is basically the how and the why on this. Um, not necessarily, the, we know the reason why. She wants to win. Um, she wants to, you know, help help her crew make a big bonus you know you win this call out race it's an $80,000 bonus paycheck and that is a great bump in pay for your crew uh, and really they're the ones that help put you in the position to compete in this thing so you have all that going for you but the how question is the one that I am most interested in because of the fact that they're going to have two cars there and they're going to have one crew um, you know Tony Stewart is making his professional debut at Gainesville and uh, not that that's not enough of a high-pressure situation, but uh, if I have to guess, the, the real pressure is going to be on the first couple qualifying sessions to make sure his car is in the show. Now, what happens after that is what Lee is going to have to explain to us because I'm not, in my mind, um, fully scoping the logistics of how they're going to pull this off with two crews, rather one one car, one crew, and two separate dragsters to run uh, in top fuel. What happens on Sunday, um, it'll be interesting, and we can maybe find out how it's going because I know Tony is testing this week. They have stayed in Bradenton to continue with that. Uh, of course, you know, there was news coming out of Bradenton last weekend. Austin Proc picked up a win down there, kind of cementing what I think a lot of us may have uh, 
believed in our hearts already that this was going to be a very smooth transition, if you will, in that driver's seat to one of the fastest funny cars uh, in the world, one of the best funny cars in the world. Um, you know, Bob Tasca cementing the fastest uh, speed down there that we'd ever seen and be interesting to see if that could be replicated at the Gator Nationals. To me, that's going to it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, not uh, not being skeptical of the performance, but I am I am interested in seeing what happens when uh, when that car gets turned loose again um, in Gainesville in just a couple of weeks at the Emily Oil Gator Nationals, along with everything else. Um, so, you know, one of the things I, I'm most excited about is we'll keep watching our entry list grow. Um, we're going to have a huge crop of top fuel dragsters, a big crop of funny cars. There is pro stock motorcycle news coming, if not late this week, then early next week that may blow your socks off a little bit. Um, a name coming back into the category who hasn't totally been gone, but kind of has, uh, but will be coming back and will be coming back on a a ride that is fully capable of... Um, of not only doing damage on a weekly basis, but also doing damage on a championship-level basis to boot. So that's kind of the setup here. It's Johnny Lindbergh first. It'll be Leah Pruitt, and I am done yapping. So now let's get to a conversation with Johnny Lindbergh right after this on the NHRA Insider Podcast. Welcome back to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We have our first guest on this week. He is the crew chief along with John Medlin on Paul Lee's FTI Performance McLeod Funny Car. Johnny Lindbergh, how you doing, man? Good, man. How are you, Brian? I'm good. Uh, obviously, you've been in the headlines, not just because of the announcement, but now because of the fact you went down to Bradenton, Florida last weekend and had a really, in my mind anyway, pretty successful first outing as uh, as one of the guys turning the screws on this car. So how do you feel about how things went last weekend? <clears throat> no, I'm, you know, I'm really happy how everything turned out. Uh, you know, we made, uh, you know, three solid runs in uh, – Qualifying, uh, you know, we ran 87, 88, and 89. Yeah. I think we ran 87 in testing. So the car's consistent. Uh, we didn't hurt any parts. Uh, so, yeah, really good weekend. And uh, working together with Madeline is just awesome. You know, we uh, we, uh, we have the same mindset, you know, on the race car. And uh, it's just easy to work with him, you know. So it's, it's been a good good match. Yeah, and that's a cool thing, and, and I think the neat part of the story for me is, um, you know, obviously you guys, and, and reading the story on Comp Plus, they put a great feature up about you guys as well, but that idea of, okay, things are going well, but when you go to the racetrack, now you kind of really understand how this is going to work side by side, right? You can talk about it all you want in the shop, but when you start running the car down the racetrack, now you're kind of in the environment. Yes, exactly. You know, like, it's, it can be stressful at times, you know, sure. but... Uh... Uh, with like I so I always said even when I raced my own operation you know back in Europe and here in the US uh, I always told my crew guys and all the guys like hey you know preparation is key yeah. so you, you know uh, you win the race in the shop basically uh, and I guess that's what I did over this off season I went over everything you know and uh, I got the new parts we needed and so when we get to Brayton in town like everything was done like we didn't need to work on the car and service anything yeah. we had all the heads ready all the racks ready and short blocks so you know that way we can focus on tuning the car and not just trying to solve problems being yeah down there. yeah and that's and that's one of the most interesting things i think to me the more i talk about our two crew chiefs over the course of time it is that idea of let me just tune the race car. Like you need to have the thing assembled properly right that needs that's the most fundamental thing and it sounds almost dumb to say it out loud but 
when the car is assembled properly, you and John Medlin as crew chiefs get to actually do your job rather than try to chase the issues of why things aren't working right, right? Yes, exactly. And, uh, <clears throat> and I think that's good. You know, with me, I, I'm pretty hands-on, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I work together with the crew, and I, I, you know, I catch up small stuff here and there that we need to improve. Uh, but overall, you know, awesome weekend. Uh, you know, the crew guys work their butts off, and, uh, you know, it's a, it was a long week. You know, tested the oh, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, and then uh, raced. Uh, but I, it was... Uh, I'm uh, more hooked now than ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great thing, and and obviously we know your history, right? The, your own operation. You you come over here, big success in Europe. You come over here, multi-time champion in the alcohol funny car ranks. Um, obviously now a successful chassis builder, and and pretty much anything you've put your hands on in this sport, you've made work. When you look at this operation and, and this new venture with Paul Lee and John Medlin. Is it the logistics that are the most different thing for you? Because obviously, mechanical end of the race car, I want to talk about in a few minutes. But in terms of how many people are involved, how many parts and pieces are involved, is that the one thing that is an adjustment for you? Because as I understand it, you always ran your stuff pretty lean, right? You 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 obviously had great parts, but you didn't have an overflow of them, so you really had to pay attention to what you were doing with your own stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, like it's of course, there's way more stuff to. Uh keep track of, you know, yeah. run counts and all that. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just an upscale of everything that yeah. I kind of worked on. Uh, but it just boils down to, yeah, we just need good parts. And, uh, and if something is questionable, I just retire it, you know, like we, uh, as hard as we want to run, yeah. we can't have, we need good parts, you know, and that's, uh, between me and Paul, it's, he understands that, and he's ready to spend some money. So that's why that's good. <laughs> yeah, and, and one of the things I think is also interesting about this and and your entrance into the team is that this is not a car that has expectations of going out and just running four O's and four ten and just going to the finish line. Um, you're coming into an operation where the expectation is this car is going to run, and as you've shown, this car is going to run three eighties when the and mid three eighties when the the weather presents itself to do so. For you personally, is that a kind of challenge that you embrace? Is that a little intimidating in the fact that this isn't an idea of, well, let's start running four O's and then try to go faster rather than we need to show up and run this fast right now? You know, so, you know, Madeline, he came in there last year, and, uh, of course, he got the car running pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so he, with his experience, and uh, I kind of, okay, well, we need to have – just go over the car and make sure yeah. everything is good because you're going to run this hard if we have parts to uh, only good to go four hours so you're going to blow the body off so yep. uh that's kind of what me and paul just sat down and i just went over the trailer what we needed and uh, we I updated a lot of parts this year uh so i would say we have as good parts as anybody else out here uh, maybe not the, the newest stuff but they're uh, well, clearly it's competitive yeah. stuff for for what you showed the world down in Florida. Clearly, you have you have stuff that is competitive, and and like you said, you reeled off a, a string. Probably the most three eighties runs Paul has made in a single stretch of days in his whole life. I'd have to guess. I mean, the car has been there. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think so. He was really happy. You know, Paul. He was really excited. Uh, of course, I think we ran. I think we were the only car running in the eighties three runs yeah. during qualifying. So. Uh, that he just proves like the the most uh, satisfying run for me was when we ran 88 in the heat you know and yeah. the closest car 
I think was an IA too. So that was really, really rewarding, you know, all the hard work we put down. What is, in in your mind and, and in this part of the relationship you're in now, what is John Medlin's biggest strength? In, in, in your working relationship, what is his biggest strength? Uh, what is our biggest strength? Yeah, what is John Medlin's biggest strength? Like when you when you're uh, working with him, what is the one thing that stands out to you and you think, man, this guy has this on lock or or whatever? Yeah, well, yes, like like I told other people, like he's been tuning fuel cars longer than I've been born. So yes, <laughs> so yes, the yeah. level of uh, you know, if some problem happens, he knows how to solve it. You yeah. know, and and. Every question I have to me has a good answer, you know, and he's really good of it. He's a good teacher, if I, t- you know. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, and and that communication level needs to be very high. I'd have to guess between you guys, and it has to be. I mean, it has to be very open and honest communication, right? Because one, you're dealing with a couple different elements here. One, you're dealing with a budget, which you can't blow that up, and two, you're dealing with a car owner, and you don't want to blow him up either. Right. So like, no, exactly. so this idea of communicating is, is interesting. And were there any things that you had nerves about, you know, before your first day walking in the shop, what were some of the things that you might've had in the back of your mind? Like you maybe not worried about, but maybe things you're a little leery of. Well, uh, I don't know. Like it's been just all the, maybe the logistics and yeah. get all the parts ordered and yeah. not forgetting anything and, you know, working with a new crew. And, but so far, like, uh, you make up these scenarios in your head, but then usually when it boils down to it, it's yeah. it's just like any other uh, <laughs> racing I've been doing, you know. But like, so I was not the, actually I was never uh, nervous because I've been in these cars, you know, yep. uh, driving them, and I've been outside them for so long. So it was kind of it was kind of you know the first in the first run was really smooth to be yeah. honest, you know. Yeah, and and that to me is the greatest strength you have. I mean, there are very few people as well-rounded as you are career-wise, especially your age, that are getting this opportunity. Um, and it's not just the opportunity to work with John, but it's the opportunity to continue to further yourself in the in the sport. Um, we look at a lot of first-time crew chiefs, and, and, and you're not a first-time crew chief, but you are in this level, and it's a lot of guys who have spent their careers as crew people, which is fine, but they don't necessarily have the mentality of the racer as well. And it's pretty cool for you to be able to bring not only the idea of how the car mechanically works with you, but also that idea of the racer that's in you as well is, is very unique. Yes. You know, like I think, and that's, I think is a good part with me understanding uh, Paul as a driver. Yeah. Uh, different to other crew chiefs too. Uh, Cause I kind of scaled the car and I set it up how I kind of, want the car to be set up and i think we gave him a better race car this year than you know uh, the prior years sure because uh, i found some small stuff that i didn't like and i improved them like yeah small stuff that would help him you know so i think outside the box there i think like i want i know how i want a race car when i'm when i'm driving it and uh, not all the crew chiefs uh, been in the car so yeah, and, and when we look at your success as an alcohol funny car racer and then we look at, at the challenge of running a nitro car, as a tuner, is it just more of everything? Is it more fuel and it's more blower and it's more this and it's more that? Like for the for the person listening to this show that doesn't necessarily understand the approach difference between an alcohol funny car and a nitro funny car, what are the biggest differences in tuning on the two different platforms? 
it's uh, it's funny how it, it is. Like an alcohol car, you know, you can miss it a little bit here and there, and you're still gonna make it down the track, you know. But uh, and you have like seven thousand horsepower less in an alcohol car. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but so it's weird, like how this eleven thousand horsepower machine is so sensitive. Like if we missed a, you know, like the RPM on how much it loads the motor at the step, you know, the tug we call it, like hundred RPM, you're gonna smart the tires and. You can be off with the fuel volume, it's gonna drop a cylinder, you know? So it's, you need to think about every aspect of, you know, like make sure everything's perfect, basically. Uh, and one thing I noticed over the weekend, like if I, you almost need to be a crew chief and a co-crew chief. It's so much stuff to, you need to yeah. think about. And so it's, that's kind of a lot, I opened up to me like, hmm, yeah, like if I could call you, I could do it by myself, but he, Easy, you know, like keep track of all the numbers and all that. But with one of these fuel cars, it's a lot of stuff going on, you know, weather and all that. Yeah, well, like you said, it's the it's the nature of the business now, which it's very rare to anymore to see a single person, you know, being the the, the lead, the only person touching one of these cars. You, that that idea of having two people involved. And then that idea of taking those two people and having them divide the, you know, divide the workload or divide the concentration up to make it work. Um, what is your single biggest strength, you think, coming into this job? What is the, what is the you know, we talked about Medlin, his ability to teach and educate and and kind of get get into the nitty gritty of stuff because he's been doing it his whole life. But what is the thing that makes you unique in this in this position? Well, I think I talked about it earlier, but you know, like I, be, I, I know how to build a car yeah. from scratch. I can I can jump in and drive it. I can do, I mean, build a motor. I can build a clutch. I can do. I've done everything, you know. And I started fairly young, you know, like I was like 15 years old when I started <laughs> right. working on alcohol motors. Yeah. Uh, and I think I tuned the Puma for my first championship win in 2010. So I've been around quite a bit too. So yeah. even for my young age, I have. A lot of experience, you know. I kind of done this uh, my whole life, <laughs> so yeah. I think that's good. And then, you know, like I, I run my own show, so I think that's yeah. a big strength too. You know, I know how to. Uh, I'm not gonna overspend money on some parts because yeah. I kind of treat Paul's money like it's my money. You know, like I don't. Right. Yeah. Just buy the necessary stuff, and and I think that's good too. How is how are you going to be able to? Or are you going to be able to integrate your continued chassis business along with this responsibility? Is this going to be, is this something you can manage uh, both ends of? So I kind of just, now I'm finishing some projects in my shop and then I kind of, I, I, I can't do it on full time, you yeah, know, like I've right. done it, uh, but I still going to help people okay. with some chassis stuff. But right now uh, I'm actually looking for, some people that can work in my shop. Gotcha. Uh, and so I, I don't want to close down my shop, you know. No. But, uh, it's, I need to spend a lot of time, of course. Like, I'm full-time with Pauline now. Yeah. So, and it's almost more than full-time to being a crew chief on the night <laughs> right. So, Well, that was... So, yeah, so, yeah. So, so that was a question, like, you know, uh, I got a lot. Like, what's going to happen with the chassis shop? But, yeah. Yeah, I still going to have it open, and I'm going to try to find some people that can come uh, help me and work for me. Oh, I think that's good, and it's good because you know you've you've created a product there that is obviously highly successful. Um, does that continue to give you satisfaction? You know, if 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 we take this crew chief job out of the equation for a minute, and that phone call never came, 
how much satisfaction do you get out of that out of the chassis building side and and is it in the design is it in the execution of it is it in seeing the work succeed where does that satisfaction come on the chassis building side well of course i like to fabricate stuff and all that but like you're seeing uh, the success of you know the cars i build on the track you know and yeah. uh, uh, that's pretty satisfying, you know, like Gordon, they proved uh, my chassis works pretty good, you know, both, both on the, the safety aspect of it yeah. and the performance. So, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's a cool part. Like when you both can keep a person safe and yeah. give them a fast hop rod, that's pretty, that's a satisfying part for sure. No, absolutely. And I guess the last question I have for you is, as we look at the Gator Nationals coming up here in just a couple of weeks, um, what are some of the goals for this team? I mean, the, I'm, I'm guessing after that performance you put on in Bradenton, one of the goals is going to be top half qualifier and, and see in the final round type stuff. But realistically, what are the goals for this funny car team to start the season? Yeah, well, you know me, I'm pretty competitive. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I want to I be up there, you know, with a, a top five at least and, uh, you know, trying to go for a win. You know, I know it's a, it's a hard uh, – job to do but i think we can we have what it takes you know yeah. uh with medlin's experience and uh, uh i think with my drive you know i think it's can be pretty uh, successful year and one last question before i let you go and that is how was the first contact made between you and paul and and what was that first conversation was the first conversation about philosophies and approach was the first conversation a job offer i mean how did this whole thing what was the initial conversation with Paul Lee to, to ultimately end you up with John Medlin? So everything kind of happened pretty, fairly quick, you know. So I heard, actually, we were flying home from Pomona. Okay. And then uh, me and Chris Abelma was on the same flight. And she like, hey, uh, you know, we're looking for a new cruise ship. You should call Paul, you know. And I go, oh, mm-hmm. then I, you know, start <laughs> thinking. And, and I think my, my name came up in that conversation between uh, Madeline and Paul, uh, and then so I just called Paul and he like, uh, yeah, I talked to Madeline and he said, you would be a good fit because you go way back and you know each other and all that. And then uh, I just, I think I thought about it over the weekend and then we made a deal on Monday and the next day I was, start, I was in the shop, you know, so everything happened fairly quickly. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. I mean, I think a lot of times when it's right, it's right. And certainly the parties involved seem to know right off the bat that it's, it's right and it, it looks like a great fit already, man. Yeah, so far so good, uh, and yeah, just uh, keep playing along at it and uh, see where uh, how good we can do this year. Well, Johnny, thank you so much, man. I'll let you get back to it. I look forward to seeing you and Paul Lee and the entire team down in Gainesville. Okay, thank you. Have a good one. We'll be right back with more here on this episode of the NHRA Insider. Coming up next, Leah Pruitt. And we are back on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I am joined by my second guest, who is still at a racetrack and who is still in Bradenton, Florida, Leah Pruitt. What's going on, Leah? Hey, what's happening? I apologize if you hear some cars ripping because I am close to the track. It is, uh, race cars. It, it is a literal blizzard where I'm sitting right now. So the fact that there's race cars, is uh, it gives me hope. One of the reasons I wanted to chat with you is not simply because of your performance over the course of last weekend, but you have a performance coming up at Gainesville, and um, this is something that I think a lot of people are going to be very excited about, but you are going to compete in the Pep Boys All-Star Callout. So I guess the, the very first question is, and I, I love that you're doing it, but my very first question is why, and my second question is how. <laughs> yes, there's more than one sense to both of those. Uh, 
you know, ideally, uh, I wouldn't be able to run the call out. Uh, ideally, I'd be, you know, we'd sure. be kind of well on our way with our family, sure. but we're, we're not there yet. So I, I know that at the Gainesville race, I will be able yep. is the first thing. So Makes able sense. to do it. We're waiting on NHRA for early January to come out with the rules as they have throughout every January for what the revisions might be. Uh, and there is no replacement driver for the specialty races. And uh, unlike actual just national events, points, all of that. So, okay, that's where it stings pretty bad because Pet Boys call-out is such a representation of the crew members, the crew yeah. chief, and the car, and its performance on track and sure. its consistency. Absolutely. It's ev everything's taken from qualifying. So that is like this crown jewel. This race is really the crew members and team's crown jewel to – to push, you know, to, to make their way and show their statement for what they did the year before and to kind of rob that, I felt like, from, from our team. We went, okay, let's get creative. Um, if I'm able to do it, I want to do it. And most importantly, my team members, my crew, yeah, they were all about it, understanding what it would take. Would take. So the how here is we can't have, we can't run the same car. So Tony is going to enter the race. We are both entering <laughs> the Gainesville race. I'm just going to tell people right now, get out a pencil. Okay. Now, now continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're going to see both Tony Stewart and Leah Pruitt entered for the Gainesville, uh, Gator, for the Gator Nats. Okay. So Tony is qualifying on Friday. And the goal is for him to be deeply seated in the show, gotcha. you know, one, two, three, or four, something to where zero possibility of him getting yep. bumped out. So if and when that happens, then we put Tony's car in the trailer, bring mine back out, which is the one I ran last year, the one I ran all week during Bradenton. It's ready to go. Uh, I will get in there on Saturday for the first round of the Pet Boys call out. Hopefully have a fantastic day. Uh, go three rounds. If you go three rounds, you're probably going to qualify for the show, uh, just in my opinion. If that happens, we will we will cross that Sunday marker when we get there. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> See, because I was like, I was trying to gain this out of my head, and, and the first part of your description is exactly kind of what I ended up coming back with. Was okay if they get Tony in on Friday because you have no Friday commitment. If they get Tony in on Friday, then they can switch over to the and concentrate on your car. But then my my wild card was Sunday, and so now you kind of answered that question too, which is epic, absolutely it, epic. It's a, you know, that's a, that's a many if then scenarios yeah. to get there. Yeah. Uh, but we do, we keep in mind, the number one priority of this, of this entire event is really the long game as yeah. it is every time. And that is Tony being comfortable in the car, that car performing well and having, and having the best shot on race day. Now, yeah. does the best shot mean me racing on Saturday? That doesn't maybe give them the best shot. So that's where we have to be flexible. We ask for the fans to be understanding and flexible, too, that yep. it is a game-time decision come Friday night yeah. of what we're going to do. Now, you know, hit the middle of the road there. Of We run first round, and we don't make it out of first round of the Pep Boys. Well, we take Tony's car back out, yep. and he goes and runs the fourth qualifier, and those fans that came to see Tony Stewart race on Saturday didn't see him race. Um so it's, I guess it's, it's all good in our book because the extra effort and work that it takes, the guys are all in. Yeah. This is 80 grand, not that many chances to be able to get that on the table yes. and capture that. So 
I'm trying to have expectation management about, you know, it's kind of like that jump rope game. Are you in? Are you out? Are you coming in? Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked to be in the, in the car, you know, for another time. And there, there are no other, especially ones after that. Like that really is going to be it. Yeah, no. And, and I get it. And I think, you know, it's just, this to me is like, it's kind of next level. And I know you mentioned like the, you know, fans being understanding and I get, I get your point there, but on the other side of it, like you guys are about to do something that no one's ever done before. I mean, no one has ever actually tried to do this before. Like it's, it's wild. It's, it's freaking wild. It's awesome, but it's wild. It, it is. And I think the only way that we're able to do it or even think about doing this is the amount of preparation that we've had overall. You yeah. know, Tony's car was finished with O fifty eight. 58 uh, around uh, after India last year, we were able to run it. My car, like I said, we flogged at 14 laps this week. Every we have enough parts and pieces to swap between both cars that are built identical, basically. So we, you know, we're not putting the car together for this race or anything. We're as prepared yes. as possible, and that's what's made it so we can do this in a normal fashion. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. Um, how is how is things going in the more private end of the Bradenton world right now? How are things going? I'm guessing Tony's making runs this week. He is. He'll be making runs uh, this week. That's why we're kind of, you know, just hunkering down yeah. in Florida right now. Uh, there's not too many others. Uh, for the most part, the full-time teams sure. uh, won't be at this event. And the goal is 20, 20 laps for Tony wow. uh, by, yeah. the, by the time he enters the race. So he has 20 under his belt now. I'll get another 20. Uh Man, with those being so close together, back to back, he he should definitely talk to him because he's got you know he's a normal he's a human too. Oh, yeah. He's doing something he's never done yeah. before. Yeah, and you know, enter top fuel race and uh, and he's having the proper the proper emotions to go with it. But man, I'll tell you what, Brian, I cannot wait till like in two days when he gets in the car so he can like kind of shed some of this. Um, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, on a on a different sense, on a more you know slightly more dry topic, I guess. But on the logistical side of it, Bradenton now becoming kind of a top fuel or a fuel car. I'm not going to call it certified, but they made the necessary changes, moved the scoreboards out, made some physical changes to the facility to accommodate these cars. That place now becoming a a fuel test racetrack kind of changes perspective on a lot of things like fuel cars typically didn't do a lot of way off season winter testing because there wasn't that many places to go do it Bradenton's a place that they test five days a week 365 days a year except for the middle of the summer so in your opinion as a racer and as a as a the operator of this team the opening up of Bradenton as a test facility for fuel cars is that going to change the game a little bit outside of even just the pro event I, I would like to say yes a little bit however um, you know, the, the knowledge of coming in early this week and seeing how many barrels of, yeah. uh, of rubber and, and, and prep that had to be, you know, eliminated yeah. from the track in order to get the fuel prep on there. Good point. You know, so I think if we have a slated pro test session where we have multiple cars that make it worth the cost and the efforts of re-prepping, de-prepping, basically, yeah. this racetrack, I think then would make it um, very valid. Now, if, if if the team is coming down here to do system checks, absolutely you could do that all day long. But if you're coming down here to learn for performance and you're on a radial track, you're yeah, you're up the creek. It, yeah, it's a it's a different curve. But yeah. I, I think you know the the coin on this is absolutely Bradenton as a facility. They they've they've shown they're capable of handling these cars. I, for me, as a driver, 
going 338 is what I did this weekend. Um, I'm sorry, 328, my bad. No, zero problems. You yeah. know, the shoots and the break, yeah. turn, eat. And I've raced this track many times at MCA and the factory showdown. Yep. Um, so familiar with it, but no, it, I mean, we'd have this all day long. Um, you know, if we yeah. were still here and we still had parts, we'd still be testing. <laughs> so w one last question before I let you go, and it, and it goes back to the to the call out situation. I guess when was when was it? And yeah, the call out deal. When was your decision kind of made to do this? And and you said you know you're kind of waiting for the rules to come out regarding replacement drivers and this and that. But in terms of a entertaining the idea and b deciding to go forth with this plan, when did you actually look each <laughs> other in the eye and say let's do it? Uh, it wasn't on our guard or on our call by any means. It was, we got to the track, we're running Tuesday, Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday uh, or, or so, maybe even, it might have been Thursday, and we needed to have an answer to NHRA in about 24 hours because they were pushing out what the call out yes. um, was going to be digitally. And, you know, they didn't mandate, you, like, you needed to make a decision now, but it would be really be helpful with what we're trying to do. Yeah. And as a as a partner, right? As we're partners with NHA as well, we want everything to be successful. Um, we just expedited our conversations. You know, we were in the middle of trying to get on the track for the first time all year, and now we're having these, um, you know, are we thinking about everything, every angle, every up, down, uh, you know, Josh Hart, who would be the seed that comes up. He doesn't take my spot, as I would imagine, uh, right? Yeah. Sean comes up with Austin being out, and that allows Josh Hart to come up. So uh, we called Ron Douglas and, and Josh just to discuss and say, hey, you know, be ready Saturday. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're all going to find out at the same time when we look at the sheet and see where Tony's at, what that decision is going to be. And, um, you know, they're, they're the defending Pet Boys call-out champion. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope that he doesn't get to race. But if he does get to race it, man, bring it home. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and even that's kind of wild because he might, you know, this is kind of like a like the, the the like a WWF match where you get you tag the guy in, right? It's like, well, no, you now you're in kind of last minute, but um, it's which I could be it could be slightly off because I haven't seen any trade jurisdiction on. They have, we don't know what that feedback is Friday night. I don't Copy know. They that. might just go that person that call out gets a single, which I think is wrong, and I'm going to say it right here and right now. Listen, I would we hate that. All, <laughs> I would hate it. Put all the cards on the table. Yeah. Fans want to see a show. If I can't run it, get this guy in there. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100 percent on that. I don't, I don't. The last thing in the world I want to see at a, at a call out race is a is a first round single. That would be <laughs> ridiculous. Um, the one, the one, the the one last plot twist in this whole thing is that. I mean, you're going to have to stand up on stage with us when we do the actual call out portion of this on Friday, right? <laughs> you're actually going to have to be in the building with us. So to, so to speak, I yeah. mean, says the schedule right now, unless yeah. they change it to Saturday. But, yeah, someone that's calling me out and then they get Josh or, or, or it's me and it's really me, I, you know, I, at this point we just learn to uh, control what we can control. Awesome. Listen, chaos, we need – drag racing always needs a little bit more chaos in it, and this is like the best – this is like the most ideal kind of chaos. So, uh, Leah, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, congratulations on the successful weekend in Bradenton, and I look forward to whatever the hell is going to happen in Gainesville. It's going to be great, and uh, you'll be right in the middle of it, so it's going to be fun. I appreciate that. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, fans. And no matter what, it's going to be the Dodge Direct Connection Dragster, whether it's Tony in it or myself, same bodies. So try not to – 
confuse it a little more. <laughs> and we'll, again, we'll be handing out a guide at the gate so you understand exactly what's happening with everything. She's Leah Pruitt, and I'll be back with some final thoughts right after this. And we are back with the final thoughts here in this episode of the NHRA Insider. Uh, really fun show. Johnny Lindbergh certainly making waves with John Medlin tuning on Paul Lee's funny car. And now we know the story of Leah Pruitt, uh, the Pep Boys All-Star call-out, and how she and her husband, Tony Stewart, are going to try to work that weekend, which uh, in a lot of ways is kind of unprecedented in top fuel history. So as wild as the Gator Nationals are going to be, that on Friday and Saturday is going to be a center stage story, uh, especially if she starts going rounds. And then she even intimated the fact that if she qualifies for the race, it seems like they might try to race two cars at the same time with one crew. I I um I don't know. Uh, I know I'm going to be excited to watch it. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to be excited to watch it like everybody else. Uh, Gator Nationals is going to be great. Emily Oil Gator Nationals coming up in that uh, first weekend or second weekend in March. That is the 8th to the 10th. Get down there to Gainesville Raceway. Get your tickets on NHRA.com, and we'll be building up to that over the next couple of weeks. There will be no Insider next Tuesday, but we'll be back the week after that, and we'll get you caught back up on everything that's going on. There's uh, some testing going on. You heard it in the background of Leah's phone call there, and some other teams have been got, getting on the racetrack as well, specifically in the Pro Stock Motorcycle ranks. Going to be talking to them during my short break, and we'll be back with all the information the following week. Big congratulations to Austin Prock as well, who won his very first ever funny car race and his very first ever funny car appearance just last weekend down in Bradenton. We'll be talking more about that when we come back in a week two. And that's going to be it for this episode of the NHRA Insider. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you back here again soon as we march toward the beginning of the 2024 NHRA Mission Foods drag racing season, a whole new era in the world of NHRA drag racing. Thanks for watching.